Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. In Matthew 12, 31, he says, Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But a little three-letter word that becomes so extremely important. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Verse 32, And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. There's been an awful lot of discussion about what keeps a person out of heaven. There are lots of people who say that a murderer can't get into heaven. An idolater can't get into heaven. An adulterer can't get into heaven. And on and on we can go. If that is one's life, that's right. If you live in a state of absolute adultery all your life, you're not going to get into heaven. An adulterer whose, whose pattern that is, I'm not saying one who slips and falls and commits a sin. I'm saying one whose life is such. Neither is a drunkard going to get into heaven. If that is your pattern, I'm not saying the guy who drinks and gets drunk uh, falls off the wagon, so to speak. I'm talking about the guy whose pattern is that kind of life. Cannot be a Christian. Or he wouldn't do that. I'm not saying you won't fall and sin. I'm saying your life's pattern is not that if you're going to get into heaven. Now, people would say... Well, look at him. He can't possibly go to heaven because look at the sin he committed. But I want you to notice what the scripture says. All manner of sin can be forgiven. Did you see that? All manner of sin can be forgiven. Can be forgiven. God will forgive any sin any man commits. If you ask for it. Except one. There is one sin that you can't be forgiven for if you die without seeking forgiveness. He calls it blasphemy here. The Lord himself calls it blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now that has been taken, and I believe it's accurately true, by most preachers. It's been taken to mean one who rejects the message of the Holy Spirit. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit's coming? To convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. In other words, the purpose of the Spirit, the message of the Spirit, is to convince man that he is a sinner and needs to come under the blood of Jesus Christ. So the the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is to say unto the Holy Spirit, I hear you. But I'm not going to obey. I'm not going to obey. 
I hear the message, but I deny it. I reject it. I hear the message, but I say no. I understand what you say, but I don't want any part of it. And on the day of one's physical death, the decision has been signed, sealed, and delivered. And there is no opportunity, according to verse 32, in this world or in the world to come to ever be forgiven for denying the pleading of the Holy Spirit. None. There are three dispensations of time dealing with God. Back in the Old Testament, you know, God, God spoke to men by word of mouth. He spoke to Adam, talked to him, just like two people talk. Audible words that could be understood and heard. There were a few periods of time throughout the early history of the world in which the sun came into the picture, such as he was in the picture with the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. There were a few times that the Holy Spirit was involved in the early history, such as the, the Holy Spirit was the one that hovered over the earth when it was without form and void and maneuvered the earth to become fruitful and productive. Then came, that's, that's one period of time, one dispensation, the dispensation of the direct relationship of God the Father to the, to the world. Then there's a second period or dispensation when it was God the Son in the world. And for a short period of time upon earth, Jesus was the primary uh, person of the Godhead that dealt with man. The Holy Spirit had a few interventions in, in affairs. God the Father had a few interventions. As a matter of fact, at Jesus' baptism, God spoke out loud to the people and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Audible words that people heard. But that was very seldom that happened. It was Jesus the Son of God in a human form dealing with whoever he might come in contact with. The Holy Spirit and God the Father were basically out of the picture. And then comes a time when Jesus says, now I'm going away and I'm going to send the third person. We now live in the period of time when God deals with man through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't speak audible words that we might hear. He doesn't show us himself in human form, such as Jesus when he was on earth. He deals with us internally. Through our mind and heart, he causes us to understand things. And he convicts us as we sit in our seats in church or wherever we might be, that we're sinners and need to be saved. That's, we're in the period of the time of the Holy Spirit. Now let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit is not in us and a part of us, whatever we do is vain. I'm sure you have experienced it just as much as I have. You have been in churches when you would be convinced that that fellow behind the pulpit had no more life in him than a dead horse. And I'll tell you why I felt that way and you felt that way. Because the Holy Spirit wasn't in it. It was man doing something and not the Holy Spirit doing it. And you've been in churches the same way. When there was no life about that church because they were denying the power of the Spirit in their midst. It was no more than a club. Or some social gathering. 
And if that's all the church really needs, then go join those other organizations and leave the church alone. Don't disgrace the name of God by bringing it down to a level of a social, cultural uh, organization. If it can't be more than the clubs that you are a part of, then don't, don't waste your time. Go join the Lions Club and help them buy glasses, and that's a good project. And, and that ought to be done. And the Lions Club do a good job, and other groups do as well. Go join the garden clubs and learn how to raise gardens. Go join a quilting party and learn how to quilt. Go join a bowling team and learn how to be a good bowler. Spend your time in something productive. Don't waste it in the church. If the Spirit of God's not here, it's not worth your time. That's the problem that we have with the church today. It has been infiltrated by so much of the world that it's difficult to see that it's anything different than some other organization. The power of the Spirit has got to be in us to do something. And what's it here for? I want to suggest the Holy Spirit is here to energize us. To put power within us. Jesus said to his disciples, go to the upper room and wait. Well, they did. Let me tell you, there was no, uh, no group on earth that had less power than those 120. They were scared to death. They didn't know what was wrong. They sat around in that room, afraid of their shadow. The door was locked. Everybody listening for the slightest little sound because it might be the Roman soldiers coming to get them. Scared to death. And Jesus said, you go there and wait until you are filled, empowered with the Holy Ghost. And when that Holy Ghost came, those guys burst out of that room. I wonder if they even got the door open. Onto the streets they went. They were full of the power of the Holy Ghost. They were plugged in. We need a church that has a group of people that's plugged into the Lord. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict. And He uses the preaching and the teaching of the church to do that very thing. On that street, these men started preaching and people from all around that town came gathering from every nation under the sun. And they were all hearing these fellows preaching. And the, sum, the summation of it was, the scripture says in the second chapter, in the 37th verse, that they were pricked in their hearts. Those men saw themselves for what they were, sinners lost and doomed for hell. And they got that out of the message that Peter and the others preached. 
And it wasn't Peter or the others preaching. It was the Holy Spirit doing it. And you felt stirred. Many of us, all of us, I hope, have felt stirred as Bill preached these last four nights. Some of us in this congregation were stirred because the Holy Spirit was convicting them of sins. You were pricked in your heart like these men of Jerusalem. And these men of Jerusalem said to Peter and the others, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And you know what Peter told them? And you know what he told them? He said, Repent. Repent. Now listen, if you're a sinner and don't repent of your sins, we're going to go back to the hell that Bill's been preaching about. You've got to repent. Many people have the idea that they'll reform. There is no place in the scripture that the Lord said, reform and you will enter the kingdom of heaven. Reform and you will be saved. Reform and you will be forgiven. The word isn't used. The word is repent. If you have been a Christian for many years, but you have been wayward, and you haven't been following and living for the Lord as you ought, listen, I'm telling you, the scripture says, and Peter said it, repent. It's time to repent. Admit your sin. Admit what is wrong. And take a stand on the side of the Lord. If you're not a Christian, don't think that you can quit drinking and quit running around and start going to church and start reading your Bible and start praying and you're all right. Brother, you haven't made it yet. The Holy Spirit is pricking your heart and the answer to your question is, what shall I do? The answer is, repent. That's the answer. And if you never repent, you'll never go to heaven. If you're not saved. And that's the problem we have in the church. We've got a lot of church people who need to repent. Because we're not energized. Because we're not plugged in with a strong connection to the Lord Jesus. Another reason that the Lord has sent the Holy Spirit was to encourage us who are Christian. You know, it's real easy during a revival meeting or on Sunday mornings to, uh, to feel real good about our spiritual lives. We feel comfortable. We enjoy ourselves. But you know, there's one problem. There always comes the next morning when we're not here. Sunday is a good day, but Monday comes, and we've got to go back into the valley. And you know what's there? All of the problems and the difficulties that we've been facing, the discouragements. I've had people say to me I, on Sunday that they were saved and come Monday evening, they're telling me, I'm not sure I am. What changed you? 
Did the Lord suddenly leave you? No. The scripture says, that I, uh, Jesus speaking, I will never forsake you nor leave you. You know what the problem is? We need to be uh, encouraged. It's sort of like the used car business. A fellow bought a used automobile and he drove it home after he'd been given the, the good old sales pitch. What a fine, you know, it was driven by a little old lady only on Sunday mornings to church, never went over 25 miles an hour, never been out in the rain, always kept in the garage, you know, the whole bit. The fellow brings his car back to the car lot and he says to the salesman, would you give me that sales pitch again? I'm getting discouraged. We need the sales pitch over and over again because we do get to those points of discouragement. Now we can get some of that from church services, but listen, that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit to end well, is to encourage us. The Bible talks about seven baptisms of the Holy Spirit. Well, talks, let me say it over. The Bible speaks seven times of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, there are seven references. Five of them deal with the prophecy that, that baptisms by the Holy Spirit will take place. John the Baptist gives us four of those prophecies. The fifth prophecy is right here in the scripture that we read in, in verse 5. Then there's one reference to the, the historical fact that there was a baptism of the Holy Spirit over in the 11th chapter of Acts. And then there is one doctrinal discussion of the baptism of the Holy Spirit over in 1 Corinthians. And it's to that one I want us to turn. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's verse 13. And you might not think that this is doctrinal on first reading. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. What's that saying? How do you be saved? By one action of one Spirit. That's how. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convince you that you're on your way to hell and you need to change your direction. The Holy Spirit will take a believer and make him a member of the body of Christ. Now listen to what I said. The Holy Spirit will take a believer. Do you believe in Jesus that he died on the cross and rose from the grave? You believe that? He resurrected and went back to heaven. You believe that? You're a believer. That is, you with your mind, you have accepted the truth of the Scripture. It is the purpose of the Holy Spirit to put that fact into your heart. Amen. You see, head knowledge does not save. It's heart acceptance. It's when one turns his life over to Jesus and just says one word. And that one word is yes to Christ. Well, we've got to get the word fire in here somewhere, don't we? Bill used that word fire. You know he used that all week? I didn't know fire, or there was so much fire around. 
Well, he did a good job in talking about the fire of hell. And let me tell you, that's literal, and that's the way it is. And he was right on. But you know, there's another fire, and it's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He shall baptize you with fire, the Scripture says. What's he talking about? When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, He is going to revolutionize you, to change you, to set you on fire, and to give you a new direction. He's going to lift your feet so that they are turned around and gone in the opposite direction from what you've been going. As some of you have said to me, I don't know what happened to me, but when I started out of that pew, I don't even know that I walked up here, but somehow I found myself up here. You know, they said to me, it was almost like I wasn't walking. My feet were moving up here, but I wasn't touching the carpet. Well, I know their feet were touching the carpet because I saw their feet touching the carpet. But listen, their mind was already on Jesus to the point it was as if they were floating because they had been filled with something they never experienced before. And that something was the fire of the Holy Spirit giving something in one's life that he'd never had before. It's not an act of man. It's an act of God by the process of the Holy Spirit. You know the word baptized is past tense. For the time a person has experienced it, it's over with. Just that quick. The Holy Spirit does something in a person's life at the moment the person makes the decision to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. The Holy Spirit takes one's life and totally revolutionizes it. Gives him a new purpose. Sets him on fire. Do you believe? And you know what your part is? If you believe, if you don't believe, there's no use even talking anymore. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, uh, Mary uh, lived among men, died on a cross, resurrected, and went back to heaven. If you don't believe that, you might just as well not be here. And all I've said has been nothing but hogwash, if you don't believe that. If you believe that, but you are not full of the Holy Spirit, it's because you haven't opened the door to your heart. Now your part in the salvation process is very simple. And that's just turn the latch and say yes. Come on in, Lord. And the Lord rushes in. Because the Holy Spirit, when it came, was like a rushing mighty wind. It came in what they thought was little tongues of fire, and it filled every one of them. And those scared, frightened, weak, fickle, unimaginative group of disciples suddenly were changed and given a purpose and burst out of the door, not because they had any might of their own, but because they had something they had never experienced before. What was it? The coming of the Holy Spirit. Now that's what the sinner needs. 
If you're not a Christian tonight, you'll never be one until the Holy Spirit takes hold of you. Amen. Amen. Now be absolutely sure of that. You're not going to do it on your own. The only thing you can do is say, Lord, I want it. Lord, I believe. Like the man that Jesus told us about when he went to heal his son, when Jesus said to him, I will if you believe. And the man said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You just cry out, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my weakness. Say, Lord, I accept. And let the Holy Spirit take control. And he'll change your life. And then you'll be on the other side of the fence and you'll look back and say, why didn't I see that? But until you say yes to Christ, you'll never know. Now we're going to ask you to say yes to Christ tonight. I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat as a demonstration of your faith and come right down this aisle. Now if you, if you don't want to come down this aisle, don't you talk to me about being a Christian. You're never going to do it. Jesus said, He who is ashamed of me before this adulterous generation of him will I be ashamed before my Father in heaven. If you're ashamed to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're ashamed of him to the point you won't even walk the aisle of the church and turn and face a congregation and just by that act say, Brother, I'm doing what you asked me to do. I'm doing what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. I want to accept Christ. If you're ashamed to do that, you're not going to be saved. <coughs> Put feet to your belief and say yes to Christ and let him revolutionize your life. Let him guarantee you eternal life and get you ready for heaven. Let him do what he was sent here to do. He was sent here to save you. To convict you of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Now if you're convicted, act on that conviction, will you? If you're a Christian, but you've been wayward, you haven't been living like you ought to live, and this congregation knows it, this community knows it, everybody in the world knows it, Above all, God above knows it. He wants you to be willing to make a change in your life and repent and turn your life around and start living for Him and be bold enough to tell somebody. And we're giving you the opportunity to make that bold step tonight. You want to become a part of this church, do that too, will you? Let's pause for just a moment of prayer as we begin to get ready for our invitation hymn. Lord God, your spirit is here tonight. We pray that he is dealing strongly with those who are not Christian. Help them, Lord, to be willing to say yes to you that you might be able to transform and change their lives into a life of power for the cause of Christ. Those who are struggling with decisions, Lord, may they be willing to step forward tonight and claim you as Master and Savior. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. Make your decision as we sing. Number 303.
We thank you, Lord, for each who have come tonight and for each contribution that's been made. Continue to deal with us, Father, in a very special way. May our hearts and minds be clear in our relationship to you. For those that are not, would you continue to lead and deal with them to the point of decision we pray in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.